Welcome to Life Turned On, where we share and celebrate the stories of sexual self-discovery in midlife and beyond. Society tells us women's sexuality ends once she reaches a certain age, her body changes, or even when she reaches certain milestones such as motherhood or menopause. They want to turn us off, but we are committed to living life turned on, full of pleasure, deep joy, and an authentic expression of self. Listen in as we share stories of women who are ditching old scripts to pursue their own path to pleasure in their lives and their sexuality. I'm your host, Shauna Stewart, and I want you to get ready for honest conversations, practical advice, and inspiration along the way, because here at Life Turned On, we believe that pleasure is our birthright and the time to claim it is now. So glad you're here today with us because we are going to do something a little bit different. Today we are going to talk to an anonymous guest. So while we are on a mission to normalize rest and pleasure, and one of our goals with these conversations is to take the shame and stigma out of talking about sex and our sexual discovery journeys, we do know that some people, while they want to share their stories because they know they can help other people, They also want to remain private, and we are going to do that today and honor that today. So if you've been thinking about sharing your story with our community, but the idea of sharing your name or photo with the public intimidates you or makes you concerned for any reason, just consider this your invitation to be an anonymous guest. We'd love to have you. And I think there's just still so much power in these stories and conversations And you can still be a part of them, and we can protect your privacy at the same time if that's important to you. So today we are going to call our guest Amy. This is not her real name, but we're calling her Amy, and we are going to be talking to her specifically about the swinger lifestyle and her journey through it. We've talked a little bit about ethical non-monogamy on other episodes in different forms, but again, today we're going to specifically hone in on what it looks like to include swinging in one's sexual discovery journey. For those of you who may be new to the idea of ethical non-monogamy, I want to take a couple quick minutes to just define it real quick so we're all kind of on the same page. Ethical non-monogamy or ENM for short, refers to consensually and openly engaging in multiple romantic or sexual relationships simultaneously with the knowledge and agreement of all parties involved. So the key element is the emphasis on ethical behavior, meaning that all individuals are aware of and agree to the non-monogamous nature of the relationship. So there's a few, like, it's very much like a build your own adventure situation. And also there's kind of four big categories that ethical ethical non-monogamy can fall into. One is polyamory, so this tends to include multiple romantic partners with the informed consent of all individuals, and the focus is very much on emotional connections and love. There's open relationships where partners may agree that they can have sexual relations with others outside the primary relationship. This can include one-time encounters or ongoing connections. Swinging, which we're going to talk about today, which involves engaging in sexual activities with others as a couple or in group settings, often without developing emotional attachments outside the primary relationship. 
And then finally, relationship anarchy. So this idea rejects traditional relationship hierarchies and allows individuals to define the terms and nature of their connections without adhering to societal expectations. So that's kind of a high level overview. And with that, I just want to welcome our guest, Amy. So thanks so much for being with us here today. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I know you want your name and identity to remain anonymous, but is there anything you'd like to share about yourself to kind of paint a picture of who we're talking with today? Sure, sure. Absolutely. So I am a professional. I am working on a graduate degree right now. I have two teenagers at home. I am uh, married to my second husband. We've been married five years, almost six years, uh, been together for almost eight. And yeah, I'm kind of your regular run of the mill, probably your neighbor next door type of, of person. So I feel like a quote unquote normal <laughs> member yeah. of society in, in many ways. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited to learn more about you and your story. I'm wondering if you can kind of start off by sharing a bit about your, like a little bit more about how you became interested in the swinger lifestyle and how that became part of your life. Sure. So I've always been, I'd say probably a more highly sexual person just throughout my life. And in my prior marriage, we had no experience in this. And this was a topic that never came up um, and would have never come up in that particular relationship. But we, however, would go to strip clubs occasionally with other couples, like our best friends, just like a regular bar night, go out, have some drinks. It just kind of created a little bit of a naughtiness vibe, but you know, nothing, there was nothing beyond that that happened. And then when we got divorced, uh, post-divorce, you know, the dating world, it was quite an experience, uh, <laughs> lots of the spectrum of different types of um, relationships going on. And when I met my now husband, um, we really had kind of just this exciting view on sexuality, I guess, post-divorce. And um, we did enjoy going to some strip clubs together as well. I personally, myself, am not bisexual, so it really... It was more the naughtiness vibe for me. It wasn't really a, you know, female to female kind of connection or, or um, attraction that I was, I was necessarily into, but it was just kind of the dynamic and we'd go home, have some of our own sexy time. And it kind of created this little, you know, space in our relationship. And one night we just ended up having a conversation about, um, you know, there are also sex clubs out there. And what do we think about that? And, you know, is that something we would ever want to explore? And, you know, it seemed like an overwhelming topic for both of us. Neither of us had have ever had any experience with that. And um, we did end up uh, going that night just to watch. Uh, so that was the the premise of going was like, we have no idea what the hell we're doing. We are <laughs> just going to go walk in the door and, you know, see what we see. And it was very exciting. It was very um I would just say our first experience was very freeing. Um, that being said, it was kind of a, a positive and not so positive experience by the end of the night, just because of a another couple that was there and kind of assumed we were very integrated into this lifestyle. And, you know, um, she ended up kissing my husband, but that was not really what we were there for. And that was not what we had communicated about. Um, so that created a little bit of tension um, afterwards. 
And that's what started the dialogue the next day of, um, you know, let's communicate about that. What about that was good, bad, ugly? What did you like? What did you not like um, about that experience as a whole? And is that something that we would um, pursue or or try again in a, a different setting, a different way? And, and, and then so that kind of started that process. And it's been, I'd say, a little over, you know, five years um, of being, you know, in the swinging more called the lifestyle versus the term swinger, but being involved in that, in that lifestyle. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about sex clubs. What is that experience like? Like walk me through that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and everywhere, depending on where you're at in the nation, there are very, I think various different cultures around um, sex clubs. And I think that that's something we've learned in our experience as well. Um, but it is a little bit overwhelming at first because I think there's this expectation that everyone there knows something that you don't. And it's a culture that you're tiptoeing into and you don't really know what you're doing. You don't know what you don't know. And um, it can be very intimidating. And so I think a little bit, uh, we were very cautious at first. And, you know, you just, again, you don't know what you don't know. And so navigating the unknown creates good things too, because you really are forced to communicate about um, your boundaries. You're forced to communicate about things that you have never really talked about with your own personal partner. Um, so it, we did, we had a lot of great conversations, but initially going in, it's overwhelming. And once we got in to going a handful of times, you become obviously the more and more comfortable, you you know, you go somewhere, you, you do feel better and more comfortable in that setting. And really the vibe and um, what was communicated to us by many, many people from the staff to other couples that were there was a culture of absolute consent and no means no. And there are a list of um, rules that you sign off on um, when you enter. So it was it felt very safe in that respect that there was safety net for these experiences and we didn't have to come up with all of them. Mm. <laughs> it's like you walked in and this was, you know, this was the culture. It's safety first, it's consent first, it's boundaries. And everyone's completely fine talking about sex. I mean, you just walk in and it's like, let's have a conversation about sex. What do you guys like? Are you interested in this? Do you want to try that? Oh, you're not interested in us? Okay, sounds great. Have a great night. It was lovely to meet you. Maybe there's not a chemistry. Maybe there's not a sexual vibe. Maybe there's not even a connection on what we're all interested in. So it was really lovely to just not have to put on any pretense. You didn't have to, you know, sugarcoat anything, directness, which is kind of my personality. So I fit really well. My husband is a little more introverted. So I think for him, it was a little wow. Okay. So we're just going to talk to strangers about sex. Okay. <laughs> and you know, there was no, you know, that for him was, I think a little bit more challenging, but for me, I loved it because you knew where you stood, you know, the rules, you know, you know, um, what everybody wants and there's no guessing games, which is in fact, very different from our American culture of just sugarcoat, pretend passive aggressive, don't say the thing, talk mm. around the thing. So that's what we found initially kind of coming into that club setting was kind of a culture of safety and consent and also um, just the ability to just be upfront, be who you are, ask mm -hmm. for what you want. Mm -hmm. And then can you talk a little bit more about, so you started off with the clubs, what is your like participation in this lifestyle look like now? Cause just like we talked about at the beginning, how there's like, you know, these big, bigger categories of what ENM looks like. 
I know that there's like a lot of different ways the lifestyle can look like for different couples and it's very individual. What does it look like for you? Yeah, there, I think that that is a big part of this lifestyle is the wide spectrum of choose your own adventure, like you mentioned. Um, for us, and I think I think for a lot of people, it evolves. What we wanted last year or five years ago maybe is different than what we want now or what we try or what we experience or explore. Um, I would say, yes, we started out with the the club scene just because there was access. And through that, we've grown to meet other couples personally, individually through um, a couple of dating sites um, that are specifically for lifestyle people or more non-monogamy, um, ethical non-monogamy um, couples and singles. So that was an interesting kind of transition to just one-on-one -on -one dates with other couples out to dinner, have some drinks. And we found that for us, um, we really enjoy becoming friends with people and really enjoy their friendships. If we're, uh, you know, out doing things we enjoy doing with other couples. And also there's a side benefit of some chemistry amongst all four people. That's a, an added bonus. And we've definitely found both, you know, where it's just not right. You know, we're just not having that kind of connection with another couple and we're happy to share that. We're always upfront and honest and transparent. But if there are connections all four ways and we develop kind of an ongoing friendship, we call it kind of friends with benefits where we're all very satisfied and happy in our marriages. But, you know, if we have the occasional Friday or Saturday night hangout um, with another couple that leads to a more sexual experience, that's just kind of cherry on top. So um, it has evolved for us into being, yes, we go to the club once in a while. That's not typically our main um, interaction in the lifestyle. It's it's mainly meeting other couples individually and, and developing friendships and relationships that way. But I think that's what works today. I mean, you never know yeah. Yeah. how it evolves over time and if there are things that, that change. So yeah. What have been some of the big things that you have learned about your relationship as a result of being in the lifestyle together? And then what are some of the big things you've learned about yourself? Yeah. Um, as far as us in our relationship, I think, you know, I would say I've always been big on communication, no matter what relationship I'm in, friendship, family, uh, marriage, what have you. So to me, that always has come number one. And I've been told that I'm very good at it. I feel very good at it. Um, uh, so that's been a big part of our relationship from the beginning. But I think what my husband would say too, is that it even went deeper than what I have been used to communicating about. Like I mentioned earlier, it goes to a place of just, there are no secrets. There are, there is no hiding. There is complete and total utter honesty and transparency and um, there's that level, that depth of, of honesty is amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. it creates such an intimate connection between us. And even he had mentioned when we first started that, you know, um, his marriage prior was kind of sexless for a lot of years before, leading up to the divorce. And, um, you know, porn was a big thing for him. You know, he'd be on business trips and be very, you know, kind of tempted by, a woman at the bar at the hotel he's staying in, but wouldn't allow himself to do anything. And just all of these little secrets and that he's ashamed about and hiding and couldn't communicate about. And since being together w with me and, and within our relationship, 
He's like, I just have no desire for any sort of secrets, any sort of holding back from you. I want to share it all with you. I want to tell you my deepest fantasies. I want to share porn with you. I want to be, you know, with you and experience that. And that has been very freeing for him. Um, and it's something he's never had before. And I would say the same. I've never really had this depth of this intimate depth with, with another partner. So it's really um, just, I think, broadened the subject matter of, of our relationship and, and where we can go with it. And then that in, in turn creates trust and it creates, um, yeah, I guess just a very deep, deep connection that you can't compare to anything else. Yeah. That's interesting. I love the words, intimate depth that you mm -hmm. use there. And that's very different than from some of the commentary you see out, see or hear out in the world. Cause I think that some of the, and maybe you can add to the misconceptions about the lifestyle, but some of the things I tend to hear are things that like, oh, you can't really be in love or you can't really, this isn't a real relationship and yeah. things like that. Can, can you kind of elaborate on, I guess like maybe even responding to that commentary a little bit more, but then also maybe talk about some of the other misconceptions that you've run into and just had a different experience with, or that completely aligned with, with whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> see yeah. and hear about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think the misconception is your marriage is broken. You're a broken mm -hmm. couple. If you're seeking any sort of sexual experience outside of that relationship. So I think that's the overarching, there's something wrong with swingers, with lifestylers, because if your relationship was that good, you wouldn't crave any sort of sexual experience beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely say that my response to that is it's absolutely not fixing something in our relationship that's broken. There's nothing broken here. It's adding to, and we've always decided that if this lifestyle is taking away from, instead of adding to, we're done with it. It's not something that we, we would continue if one or both of us decide that's that's what's happening. We don't want anything taking away from our relationship. So I think it's hard. It's hard to prove like, no, no, we're not broken. Believe me, I promise, you know, but I guess my response is just that we, we only participate because it creates um, some sexual excitement uh, that you can't, you know, you, you achieve with each other, but you know, when it's um, with another couple, there's just a lot more, I don't know, there's, we have the best sex for days after being with another couple. And it's okay. because we're sharing all these intimate, um, sexually exciting, you know, exploratory experiences that then it just enhances what we already have. And we have, I never had a more, I guess, just satisfying and gratifying sexual experience with another partner than my husband. So mm -hmm. I just think that is definitely there that, you know, we don't want to, talk about maybe sex with other couples. Cause that means something's wrong with us. We're broken. Something bad is happening and we're trying to step outside of our marriage. Now I do think there are couples that just like, you know, monogamous couples who struggle with their relationship in possibly toxic ways, seek each other because, it, but it, but it's an unhealthy seeking and it's an unhealthy relationship. Same thing goes for the lifestyle couples. I mean, there are couples out there that are seeking es escape from their marriages, I'm sure mm. or partnerships. So, I mean, the, you, you have the spectrum. That's not what 
what I feel like the, the majority of couples we've met are seeking. I think there are some out there though. So that's one thing. I think um, the predatory idea is another that, you know, all swingers or lifestyles are out to just like get into your pants and one night stands and DTF down to fuck. That's a, that's a whole nother yeah. abbreviation, but we, I got lots of those, but you know, where it's just like, I don't care what your name is. I don't care who you are. And um, all I care about is sex. And that's again, not what we've found in our community, but again, I'm sure that exists um, mm-hmm. in the spectrum of, of couples. But um, I think for the most part, you again, can choose your own adventure. If that's not your lane, you gravitate and find couples and places that do better fit what what it is you and your partner are looking for. So I've in no way found it to be overall, you know, this predatory thing where, you know, you're expected to have these sexual experiences. It's very much about what do you want and getting, you know, to that boundary and consent and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that it's a yucky subject Um, that, you know, I don't share with a lot of people um, just because it has that yucky vibe to it. I mean, even best of friends, you know, I think would be like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are you talking about? You know, if you tried to explore this subject with your girlfriends over drinks one night, I would love to have it be more normalized where it's like, oh, you know, my husband and I are thinking of this and it may not be for you and it may not be right. Just like, you know, going on vacation to Europe isn't right for you or (laughs) whether or not you want to go to marriage counseling or, you know, the variety of options in a partnership or marriage. I just wish it was more normalized that it's like, this is something exciting for us and maybe it doesn't work for you, but you know, let's talk about it. And I do think people learn through community and they do learn through those connections that teach you and open your eyes and, and challenge those, those beliefs about, what, you know, what does it mean to you and and where do those beliefs come from? So I think that I wish it wasn't so taboo and mm-hmm. I didn't have to hide my identity and yeah. <laughs> everything on this kind of podcast. Cause I do think it, it lends itself to normalizing it, but I don't know a way around that at this point. You mentioned beliefs um, and maybe changing or challenging your own beliefs as part of the lifestyle. Are the, can you talk about one or two beliefs that have changed as a result of experimenting and participating in this space? Yeah. Um, Well, again, I didn't include it in the beginning, but I was raised in a religious household from birth and many generations before um, me in the same church setting. Um, It was a very liberal church at that, though, very inclusive. And so very opposite from what people's organized religious experiences have have been for them. So I always felt like I didn't have this conflict of God and beliefs and spirituality and shame and all the other side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess when this comes up for me, you know, my parents have been married 40 plus years. Um, They're fabulous people. Uh, My husband's parents, same thing. So it's like, you know, we have these role models in our lives that this has never been, well, to our knowledge, it's never been a part of their <laughs> relationships, their partnerships, but I never, I guess, felt conflicted about those core beliefs that I have and about what we're doing now. So I don't know that I have an example of where it changed for me or mm. if something um, shifted 
I've noticed it in other couples though. I've definitely noticed it in conversations we've had where they will feel, um, you know, and, and voice these, you know, conflicts. A couple we met months ago, you know, they have been married almost 30 years and um, they are actually dating other people. So more in this open relationship um, context and mm-hmm. um, also allowed to have emotional feelings and attachments to these other relationships. And they've, you know, they were so articulate at describing, you know, we we've, we've really struggled with, you know, this is supposed to be our primary partnership. And yet we have these questions and we have these thoughts and we have these desires. And where does that fit? And is it betraying this primary partnership? And they're not overly religious people, but they, it brings up a lot of great dialogue and and conversation. And it just opens the world up about, you know, these very specific boxes we fit ourselves into these very specific roles that you can't break out of. And so I think in that, a lot of people struggle with their identity of like, this should be my all and my everything. Why is it so great for us? And why is it working for us that that's not the the, the premise of our relationship now, or that's not part of our um, the boundaries of our relationship and, and exploring that and how has that changed and why did it change? And I think all of those things prevent divorce. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. to be like all of those communications, all of those conversations, all of that dialogue is building a trust and an openness and a, I see you for who you are. I hear you a validation that I, I just feel like I wish more couples would explore. And even if you don't participate in anything, just having the option to talk about the what ifs and the maybes and the, I'm not mm-hmm. sure's instead of pretending we all fucking know what we're doing because we don't, (laughs) we have no idea what we're doing. And especially in this generation, in this culture, in this climate where we're at, it's just like bananas to expect that one relationship will stay the same way for 50, 60, 70 years and never, never need or want or question or desire another situation, circumstance experience. It just doesn't make sense to me at the core. And the reality of monogamous relationships is like, I'm not going to say numbers because I can't remember them off the top of my head. And I feel like every time I look it up, it's a different number. But how how many, there's so much infidelity that's happening in monogamous relationships, quote unquote monogamous relationships. So we think Mm -hmm. that that's happening. We think that that's a value, but people are still stepping outside of the relationship Mm -hmm. to meet other needs. And so it's sounding like to me, for you guys, it is meeting those needs, but together instead of against each other kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I do think that that's accurate. I And I also think that it allows for growth and development. It allows you to be a whole person it, without someone else's judgments and constraints on who you should be for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like what this other couple was describing. They have a great marriage. They have a family. They get along fantastically. They have great sex. And they also feel that their relationship is transitioning into other places. And I frequently think this about um, marriages that are on the precipice of divorce or are headed that way. And it's like, you wonder if, if, you know, they have core, you know, a, a core relationship that they really value, are there ways to maintain that while exploring these other, um, 
evolutions of self? And would that prevent destroying families, infidelity, the lies, betrayal? And those are, I mean, those are things that take years, if ever, to heal. I just don't see um, this lifestyle is, is um, promoting any of that. It's like the opposite of that. So I, I think it's interesting to, when you share that with other couples um, who haven't even maybe delved into the lifestyle or, or are thinking about it and they, it just kind of blows their mind. Like, wait, what? Like we our our core marriage as it is today may change, may, mm. may need the same things. We may change and evolve as people and, and wait, all of that's okay. None of it has to be dirty, nasty, shameful, embarrassing. I mean, it's like mind blowing, but I, I just think, how is it mind blowing? This is so basic to me, but you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the book mating in captivity by Esther Mm -hmm. Perel. And I think that she does a really good job of just kind of just talking about like the history of monogamy and you know, why it formed originally, how it has evolved over time. And I think like, it's just one of the conversations she was talking about was just like now, because we don't, it's not necessarily a function of economics or mm-hmm. property. Like women aren't property anymore. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, well, supposedly, uh, but yeah. <laughs> so now like this idea of marriage is towards self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And one of the limitations with the idea of monogamy as our culture has defined it is that we're expecting and one other person to fulfill all of our needs. Yes. And so she does talk about being like, she does talk about swinging and opening and things like that. But she also talks about even for like for monogamous relationships, having real conversations about what it means to you and how you want to define your relationship for yourself. But also the, this idea that like, we can't have one person solve all of our problems for us or fill Mm -hmm, all of our needs like we need friends we Mm -hmm. need hobbies we have Mm -hmm. multiple friends for different reasons like we have our friend that we go to when we need to vent and then we have our friend we go to when we actually need advice (laughs) (laughs) right and you know so we have like different people and or it's important to have different people to even Mm -hmm. like kind of shore up that primary relationship So, yeah, I appreciate you talking about that. Can you kind of talk a little bit about the ideas of jealousy and compersion? Mm -hmm. Can you define compersion for us first so folks know what we're talking about? And then just yeah, I think that that that's a common also misconception, too. And we do get that question from couples, you know, that we're meeting maybe for the first time or they haven't stepped into the lifestyle, but they're thinking about it. Um, It's like, how? How do you not? how are you not jealous? And how are you not, if this is the love of your life, if this is your person, like how can you share them and watch it, you know, no less. Um, And I think we confronted that as well. I think it's a normal evolution of this process. You start at one point and you go through the steps. It's kind of like the grieving process. There's this, and then the next step and then the next step. And so confronting that, that part was um, those were some really good conversations. Again, the dialogue around it was very helpful in understanding what my husband is most um, concerned about with that, that topic and what my idea is of sharing him. And because, 
you know, you assume, okay, sexually sharing your partner. Well, there are many definitions of that mm -hmm. <laughs> from emotional uh, sharing to touch to all the way to any sexual experience. Um, so I think just talking through it really gave us the confidence that, you know, that's not really a problem for us. And I think as long as we can trust each other to be completely transparent and honest about the experiences we're having, we felt like we, once we got into a, a couple of our first sexual experiences and walked away and it was like, no, that was really hot to watch you. I really enjoyed watching you being pleasured and you enjoying yourself. And I never get to see that part because I'm participating in it. Mm -hmm. So it was just the excitement of seeing your partner in a different light, in a different way, that isn't, again, it's not taking away from our partnership, it's adding to and giving another dimension of our intimacy. And I think that, you know, we've definitely had some little experiences where it didn't go well for me, or it didn't go well for him, quote unquote, you know, is was our opinion of the experience when we have kind of our talk about it afterwards. And we navigate those things as they happen. And, you know, no two experiences are the same. So it's, it's kind of hard to have these generalizations, but there have been little moments of, wow, you're enjoying yourself more than I am. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's a little, that stings a little bit. Like I want to have the same pleasure you're having. So if for us, it's definitely being aware of each other's, um, um, sexual experience in the moment and kind of making sure that everybody's you know, not equally, quote unquote, equally having a good time, but really for us, we want that for each other. So if one person's not quite enjoying as much, we try and find a way to bring them into this situation or, you know, politely kind of, or end the experience at some, in some way. So that's kind of how we've managed it. But yeah, it is, it's a common theme that how could I watch my person enjoy someone else's body or have their body be enjoyed by someone else? And like I said, it, it definitely is a new dimension of experiencing pleasure together for us. So that's, that's kind of the compersion piece. It's the pleasure mm -hmm. from your part, like watching your partner mm -hmm. in pleasure versus jealousy would be like feeling like seeing that experience would take something away from your, your relationship. Yes. You're seeing it as something that adds to your relationship and you're getting genuine joy and pleasure and satisfaction mm -hmm from seeing your partner in pleasure. Is that, mm -hmm. am I understanding that right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of along the lines of jealousy, you talked earlier about searching for kind of like the friends with benefits vibe and so forth. And you're heterosexual. So you're teaming up with the other man, the other man's teaming up with another woman. What's your relationship like with the other woman? And the reason I'm asking that is because I feel like our culture is very much set up for women to, like they pin women against each other and put women in very competitive scarcity mindset positions with each other. Yeah. How have you seen, what's that experience like been like for you with the other woman that your husband's maybe playing with? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of set up these boundaries way ahead of time and our, our kind of quote unquote protocol is probably hanging out with another couple, like three times before we even have any sort of touching or kissing or anything intimate or sexual. So we really try to get to know people on that level and have plenty of discussions and communications about 
um, what we enjoy, what is you know most enjoyable to us, what's least enjoyable. And I'm very upfront with that when we meet another couple because uh, you know plenty of couples are very interested. You know, the both the females really enjoying sexual pleasure together in mm. the experience, and so that's just not something that really fits for us. I think. Um, you know, we, I try and address it that I'm, you know, friendly, I'm female friendly. I'm just not a person that really is seeking those female on female experiences. And most of the time we find people really open and honest as well. Like, yeah, that's something that we really do enjoy and, and are looking for, and it may not be the right fit all the way to, yeah, that's, that's my vibe too. That's not something that, and so within the actual setting itself of the sexual experience, um, it's very, caring and kind and, you know, um, usually touches involved in, in some way, possibly, you know, some kissing, things like that, but really it's very kind of focused on male, female or heterosexual, um, sexual experiences in, in that way with another couple. So I haven't found that that competitiveness, I've kind of found the opposite is true. You know, when women in this lifestyle, I feel like build up other women and really, support other women and what they need and what they want. And that's so validating. It feels so good as a woman to just be like, she has my back. She has my back, you know, and it's not even within necessarily a sexual experience. It's just, like I said, meeting couples or even at the club, you know, where we interact with other couples, it's just a, a great sense of community and feeling supported and seen. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I agree with you. I don't think that happens a lot with female friendships, relationships in our culture in general, but it just so happens. I think in this lifestyle, it's very uplifting for women. Um, we support each other and yeah, it just, it feels really good. Yeah. That's neat. Thanks for mm -hmm. sharing that. Yeah. So we're anonymous today. You said that it's the lifestyle is not something that you necessarily bring up with your friends over a glass of wine or a happy hour or something. Mm -hmm. Do you have friends that know and, or have you kind of experienced judgment or stigma because of your involvement with the lifestyle? Mm -hmm. How have you handled that if you have? Yeah. So I have a couple of friends, I would say three close friends of mine have, we've kind of revealed our lifestyle to them over the years in a random different way. Um, and I feel like these particular friends are very open-minded themselves and are people that actually might entertain these ideas in, within their own partnerships. So it feels safer versus some of the friendships I have that are very concrete and black and white within their partnerships. And this is just the way we do it. This is the way we we've always done it. So this is the way we're always going to do it. So the revealing, um, with these friends has gone well. I, they've been very, very supportive as I expected. And it is nice to have a couple of friends that you can share, you know, some stories with, and, and, you know, yeah, last weekend we did this and it's not like you're hiding something from some of your best friends. So I do enjoy that fact. I haven't personally felt any kind of backlash or any sort of um, judgment from anyone that we've shared things with. So I can't speak to that. I think of it much like how people handle any other divisive topics mm. like abortion or homosexuality or mm. any other very, you know, kind of dicey subject in this climate. I think that you probably could get a lot of that, which is like, oh, why would, you know, very condescending and looking down on relationships that do explore the lifestyle um, just because they're fearful of confronting 
any of those things within their own relationship. So even if that happened, I really wouldn't take it personally. It says more about them than it does about us. Um, and I feel very comfortable with, with our relationship being where it is. It just so happens that the context of our culture doesn't really allow <laughs> us to fully <laughs> be comfortable with where we're at as far as professionally and, and within our community. So. Yeah. Being comfortable sharing where you're at. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Back to the beliefs question. I would just encourage your listeners to think about our, our talk today and really question what it is that holds them back from even having a conversation or exploring what that would look like for them, not even participating or expecting to participate, but just allowing your mind, your, your heart, your emotions, your fantasies, the sexual side of you to, um, explore that and and have conversations with your partner about that because even if you never step foot in a sex club and you never participate sexually with another couple or another partner it still brings about i think um not only a lot of exciting sexually exciting topics for for discussion within the relationship but a lot of dimensions of your partner you will learn things about and it's really exciting to find all these nooks and crannies you didn't even know. I mean, we're there about your partner and learning about them. And, and that in and of itself, just the conversations is, is building, um, you know, a stronger and more loving and more trusting bond in my opinion. So um, I would just encourage some conversations to happen in, in confronting beliefs. Yeah, I think that's a great, great piece of advice. It's one of the things my husband actually talked about in our episode was just like when we did like our yes, no, maybe list and we're just like talking about fantasies and putting everything out there and even things that like maybe we didn't weren't necessarily interested in. We just still put it on the table so that we could have a conversation. And one of the things that he said was just like how much fun it is just to talk about it. Yeah. Like whether or not you do it or do anything on the fantasy list, Uh it's just the fact of like talking about it can be super Nobody talks about sex. I mean, we just don't talk about sex, just like death or anything else in our culture. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's tragic because sex is fun. It's playful. It's exciting. It evolves over time, just like we do in any other area of our lives. And it's like, where did we, I don't know, maybe we we didn't just learn to not talk about, we just never have. And Mm -hmm. I think, especially in these times of, you know, lengthy relationships or partnerships, it is nice to inject some, oh, wow, that's new. I didn't know that. Or I'm curious and who knows where it leads, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, much to like your podcast on the faithful fling, which I thought was amazing. And we're totally going to do it. Um, I thought it was so fun to just hear her talk about how, you know, it's so common. And you've talked about this before you get into a relationship, a long partnership, and you get into these little ruts where you're avoiding um, sexual contact or you're too exhausted with young kids. And you get to a place where you've now you've not done it for so long, or you're just so disconnected. Where do we start? And the initiative that she took just to try something new and how much that just injects this life into this, into your partnership. And you can do it in small ways, big ways. I mean, faithful fling in your own home to a sex club just to watch, um, which is completely appropriate and happens um, a lot where no one participates in anything. You just go and and enjoy the view, enjoy the company of of other like-minded people and have some drinks. So, um, just that newness is, is exciting. 
Yeah. So one of the questions I like to ask is kind of looking forward another 10 years. You've been with your partner, your husband for, you said, six mm-hmm. years it's now? Al- well, yeah, it's almost been seven. Almost totally. seven. Mm-hmm. And kind of just like looking at yourself individually and then maybe as a partnership as well. But what are you in another 10 years from now, do you still see yourself in the lifestyle? I know a lot can happen and things are always changing, but do you see yourself in the lifestyle? And like, what do you hope for, for Amy of 10 years from now? Yeah, I love that question. I love that you ask all your guests at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have thought about that. And we do have discussions on that, you know, as bodies age and as hormones change and as needs change. And where do you see that fitting in um, to this, to this lifestyle. And, uh, I think we do both hope that we're participating in some way in 10 years in this lifestyle, and it will probably be different than what it is today, but just to participate, whether that's, uh, with community and, in enjoying other couples, even just friendships with other couples where we, um, you know, talk and chat and meet up, um, travel, things like that, or going to the sex club to just watch and, and enjoy our own sexual relationship, um, outside of other couples. I still think it's always going to be a little bit of a part of us in some way. And who knows? I mean, we're, we're always open to where, where the path takes us. So, um, I do think it'll be, it'll be something that, that is always kind of a part of who we are as a couple. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, I sure appreciate you sharing your story with us, Amy, and have really enjoyed the conversation. I just think that what has been so fun to me is when I get feedback about the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so often um, it's some of the edgier content that inspires mm-hmm. the most dialogue and conversation. Yeah, I bet. And so I think that this will... Sp- spark a lot of conversation. I hope it'll spark conversation amongst couples and friends. And and like we were talking about earlier, like it's doesn't necessarily mean it has to lead to anything, but also it could be a lot of fun just to chat about. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I appreciate you doing it. And I am dying to know uh, about how people feel about the podcast today and, and the conversations. Yeah. That- so you'll have to let me know. I'll keep you posted. All righty. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your time and we'll see you you next time. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this story, I hope you'll subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Please share it with a friend to keep the conversation going and leave a review. That would be super helpful. We invite you to follow us on Instagram at Life Turned On Podcast. And if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at stories at lifeturnedonpodcast.com. And the next time you're looking for lingerie or sexual wellness products, I hope you'll consider shopping at lingerboutique.com so we can continue to normalize rest and pleasure together.